It's Wednesday. It's the 18th of January. It's the Sustainable Futures Report, and I'm Anthony Day. Trees constantly appear in any discussion about protecting the planet. About the loss of trees as deforestation races ahead in the Amazon. About the controversial use of trees for biomass for power generation. About the effectiveness of using trees for carbon offsets. The general consensus, though, is that trees are good for the planet. Today's guest explains how trees do so much more for us than just sequester carbon. He shows how we can all help, too. Well, today I'm talking to Hank Dearden, who's Executive Director of Forest Planet. Hank, welcome to the Sustainable Futures Report. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Now, Hank, uh, your organisation is dedicated to reforestation on a global scale. First of all, why do you want to do that? And secondly, how do you do that? Uh why do I want to do it? Because I've kind of grown um, accustomed to the habit of a, a habitable planet. And uh, my background is math and engineering, and I know how to add. And and uh, the, the, it's a small, itty-bitty little blue dot that we have in a vast, pitiless void. And if you just look at the practical realities of it, if you do want to survive, which I do, um, you've got to take care of the planet. Um, and as an engineer, you're looking at a big, complicated problem like sustainability and, and what have you and you're always looking for an area um, where the where the fulcrum points or where the places where you can get a lot of leverage with uh, not a whole lot of effort and uh, trees keep kept coming up in my life uh, so I decided to um, start Forest Planet uh, about five years ago uh, try to with, with the intention that it would be a global thing there are tree planting projects and, and the model is kind of a, a what we call a white label business model if you will where there are tree planting projects that are up and running and doing beautiful jobs that most of them are homegrown and they're all around the planet and they're way below anybody's radar um they just don't have the awareness um and the marketing chops and whatever 99 percent of their efforts are spent you know doing the job of planting the trees and dealing with all the the, the litany of issues they have to deal with in their local communities and they just need someone who can, uh, you know, market for them and raise them money. Um, okay. okay. That's been now, my background. Yep. Lots of people are planting trees yep. um, and they're planting them for carbon offsets. But carbon offsets is, is not your, your purpose, is it? Um, not specifically. The carbon offsets, I mean, a lot of people come to me and say, listen, we want to support this because we want to cool the planet. And that's true. And that will help. But really, in a lot of the places where we're working, certainly in the areas of Tanzania, where I was just in, in June, uh, it's about soil restoration or habitat re restoration. And uh, almost it's an economic development organization, almost masquerading as an environmental one. Because in all these instances, the trees, a, a big part of the tree, the point of the tree is to retain water and to hold on to water, channel water, and revitalize damaged soils so that the soils can now become arable again and provide livelihood for people. And when people have a livelihood where, you know, no one's getting rich here, but have some kind of uh, uh, basic sustainability, uh, so, some, some income security and some food security, they're far less likely to wander into the forest and trash the joint and cut down all the trees for a short-term uh, sale of firewood. So uh, that's it. Now, if there's carbon offsets and 
involved with this and um, uh, maybe that's the case, but that's not really what I'm, I'm doing it for. Um, maybe I should be because there's money involved with that and that money could be that channeled back into um, more uh, tree planting uh, projects, but that's not specifically the goal. Yes, you talk about the money. Uh, you talk about 15 cents per tree. Now, yes, that's sir. presumably a seedling. How, how quickly does that then actually grow in order to be making a difference? Well, actually, um, the, actually, how we define trees, and I'm glad you brought that up, um, is a seedling. Uh, like, I don't know if people have this on video. There's a lot of little seedlings behind me on my, on my image here. The seedlings are in nurseries. Those are seedlings. Those are not trees. Okay. It's a tree as defined when that seedling gets outplanted into the field. Um, and it needs to be the right type of species in the right environment planted at the right time in the right manner with the right spacing and all that other kind of stuff. And then when that happens, you get 90, 95% survival rates. Um, so that is that goal. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot the first part of your question, the 15 cents. Yeah, the 15 cents, uh, as I said, that sounds like a pretty small tree. And how long does it take to get up to a size where it's useful? Um, it depends on the goal. Um, it, for example, we had um, we planted 80,000 trees on a hillside in Tanzania like two years ago. Um, it took them a year, and they were when they were outplanted, they were like six, eight, nine inches, what have you. Within a year, they doubled in size because they were planted at the right time for the rainy season. But so they're not full screaming trees, but what they were doing is they already had done their job, which meant that they were retaining water during the rainy season. So one year later, the people in the community were allowed to, uh, were able to intercrop around the trees, corn, cabbage, beets, carrots, all kind of food products um, right at the beginning of the rainy season because the, the the, the trees had already started to revitalize the soil. And within four months, i.e. March of this year, 2022, people were pulling out of that field all manner of food. So the trees had done their job, even though they were not anywhere near, you know, full size just yet. So that was the intent of that particular project. And it worked. And the timing was great because that was right when you might remember, you know, Russia started this war with Ukraine and grain prices went through the roof and everybody's talking about global food security. And, you know, all the, these are huge issues. And I was pointing, hey, check this out. These were trees that were planted less than two years ago. And that plant, that area looked like Armageddon. It had been burned. It had been denuded by, uh, degraded by climate change. Um, short-term farming practices, all manner of, you know, uh, negative impacts on the land look terrible. Two years later, it looked like the Garden of Eden. So it really depends on what you're trying to do. Now, did it suck down a whole lot of carbon to save the, save the world in those two years? No, that wasn't the goal. Did it absorb carbon and by um, extension create a uh, carbon sponge of the soils around it? Absolutely, it did. I didn't measure it. I don't know if it's easy to measure that. I don't know if it's possible, but that wasn't really the point. But it did happen. It's non-zero. Okay, so you're working in Tanzania. You're also working in Morocco. Um, are, are they similar projects? Uh, and similar. are they things that you set up, or have you just found these projects and you're working to assist them? Uh, the latter, yes. Uh, and I think that in that way, it's a sort of like in the 21st century, uh, does allow for a certain amount of 
specialization and let people do what they do best and let me do what I do best. Like again, the, the Moroccan project, up and running, uh, millions of trees planted, uh, you know, Western dollars go very, very far in the developing world and they just needed more money. They're a little, little bit more focused on fruiting trees and um, definitely income security and food security for these uh, communities that, oh, by the way, sequester carbon and retain water and start to change when you get to scale like this, microclimates. And, you know, the sum of the change in the microclimates hopefully eventually will change, change the macroclimates as well. But the Morocco project is a, a place I hope to visit in December, not good, and uh, you know, check out that as well. Uh, Madagascar is another place where I'm working. But again, we're just getting started. Um, there's a whole list of programs. Like when I was in Tanzania this year, I saw four planting sites that we had assisted. And they're coming along and they're doing beautifully. But I saw dozens and dozens of more. And we were only in a small part of the, of the country. So there's so much work to do, especially on the coast with the mangroves, which is another whole discussion. But there's so much potential out there and needs to be done. And it all comes down to, yes, cooling the planet, yes, sequestering carbon, but mostly uh, uh, providing some kind of uh, reliable income to people because the, uh, as, as Wangari Matai said, she was the, uh, the Ugandan woman who won the Nobel Peace Prize, and rightfully so, in I think 2002, for planting 50, 60 million trees in her life. She said the biggest stress on the land is the stress of human desperation, right? And there's a billion people with a B out there who are, not sure where their next meal is coming from, and they will do short-term term things knowing that they're not sustainable. They're not stupid. They know this is not sustainable, but they're not thinking that, that they are desperate. They have to feed their family. So if you can provide that a little bit of buffer, just back people a little bit off the edge of economic desperation, right away you've uh, reduced the pressure on the, you know, the ecology and the environment uh, tremendously. So that's part of our strategy as well. Yeah, I was talking to a plant scientist earlier on today. He was saying that hunger is the world's biggest health crisis. It is. It is. Now, so is, am I right? You work with corporate sponsors. So your role then is channeling their funds to support these projects. Exactly. Uh, I'm a look, yeah, as you, you look at personality types, I know this might be a shock to you, but I'm a connector. Right. That's what I do. I've been in business development and sales my whole life, but more of a consultative type type stuff. Um, I love making the connections and making win wins. Uh, there are businesses and brands out there um, where the people and the company are bet are, are, are well served by having a sustainable message or have a state of sustainable initiative that they can associate their brand with. That's real. That's easily communicated and not this like carbon offset stuff, which I don't understand, um, but most people understand that. Hey, you know, I, how many people sell water bottles? You know, they're 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 a they're a common thing. Um, these are, these are very good ones out there. I have one here that I got from a, a from a brand that you'd recognize. It costs forty five dollars. It's going to live forever. It's great. Uh, how do they differentiate in their market space? Well, I mean, if they can afford 15 cents to say this water bottle planted a tree, right away they get a little bit of mind share, and mind share leads to market share. Um, you know, everyone wins. And it's, I guess my message to the businesses is that it's not much money and it's easily communicated and it's effective. So check the three major boxes get checked right, right there. 
Okay. Now, uh, in addition to uh, money, are you networking information between the different projects so that they can helping them to learn off each other? I haven't gotten there yet, but it certainly will because they, uh, I think there's there's a lot of you know synergies there. The, 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 the Tanzania folks are different from the Moroccan folks, but um, maybe they already know everything they need to know. I haven't gotten that far yet. I would love to make the connection, and I, I don't see why not. It wouldn't hurt anybody. They uh, they're both got the um, got the memo with regards to the seedlings and the nurseries, which are critical, kind of like a hub and spoke model where you have a nursery in various locations and it serves like a geographic area around it. They're both doing that. Um, but, you know, different different species in different parts of the world and different challenges and uh, different issues with uh, land and title and all that kind of stuff. Usually it's, it's, it's best if it's homegrown. But, yeah, eventually I would love to be the guy that would have an annual conference of all my tree planting partners meeting in, you know, somewhere in the middle. We all get together and everybody shares war stories and they can learn from each other and they get up and they talk what they're doing. I'd be thrilled with that um, when I've got a global network. So I call it Forest Planet. And you might recognize this uh, expression because I at some point I would love to say the sun never sets on Forest Planet. <laughs> yes, I've heard that somewhere before. So yeah, it might <laughs> ring a bell. <laughs> Well, yes. Well, there are plenty of places. Um, do you have any plans uh, anytime soon to go into the to the Amazon? Uh, no time soon, but I would love to. Uh, I got to find the right partner there. Um, so we're just getting going. The Moroccan project is 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 just this year. It's the first time we've done that. So I'm looking at somebody in Haiti and also Indonesia. But again, it all comes back down to money. You know, when I'm big enough, absolutely, sure. I mean, there's a program in Iceland that I've researched. Really? The, the, yeah, the, the cost per tree. They're trying to reforest Iceland. There's wow. also the uh, the great uh, Caledonian forest uh, over on your lovely island. Yeah. Um, up in Scotland, there are gentlemen's up there. I don't know what his costs are, but I would love to work with him as well. So, um, again, it's 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 uh, money is freedom. And freedom to do what you want to do and get the trees planted that you want to get planted and in the quantity and the quality uh, that you want to get them planted in. And that's, that's, that's what I'm about. So um, I do a lot of events. I work with other people who have events and I'm happy to tell you more about those, but that's, that's our bottle. You, you hit the nail on the head. Yes, sir. So how many trees have you planted so far or haven't you kept count? So, oh, I keep down to the nickel. Are you kidding me? That's, uh, you know, I'm a double major math and engineering. This is all about the numbers. So I'm sneaking up on our first million yeah. that we've helped got, get. That's uh, taken years. The next million, I hope, takes months. And the next million after that takes uh, weeks and then days. We, we have to pick up the pace uh, drastically. I need yeah. more corporate partners. And, and that's, you know, that's what I do all day long. But... Um... Are trees not competing with um, food crops for land space? So it, it truly, it really kind of depends. And sometimes you can get them to work together. So the trees in uh, the one village that we're working on, those are fruiting trees around which they will intercrop. So it's not either or. The whole concept of agroforestry or forest garden or even uh, farming at multiple levels where you have you know trees that are intercropped with uh, ground crops, um, trees trimmed in the right way, but those trees can be holding soil, but also fruiting like avocados, which are incredibly nutritious. 
So we're not talking about feeding a nation or a feeding a population, but nourishing a population. And those are two different things. You're not talking mm -hmm. just about calories. Um, uh, so yeah, and they work together, but then on those trees, then you can start to graft different things. You can graft orchids and be selling flowers. So you're farming at multiple levels. Um, the the, the well-designed agroforestry plots are are not about either or. It's about integration, which is how nature kind of evolves. So it's emulating all those forces. Right. So how does the future look? Where will we be in 2050? How will your project have developed by then? Um, gosh, I don't know. You know, I hope it's global. I hope, you know, the sun's not setting. I hope we're consistently doing hundreds of millions of trees well before then. Um, you know, I'm trying to get to that point by 2030. Uh, 2050 is just sort of actually beyond my beyond my scope. My crystal ball is too foggy that oh, far. Okay. I want to be, you know, I want to be doing by the end of this decade, you know, at least, you know, hundreds of millions of trees a year uh, consistently and reliably. Um, and then will that help the planet? You know? Sure. Will it? Is it the panacea? You know, the, you know, the the one pill that will solve all our problems? Of course not. You know, we've we've got to do a bunch of other things. Um, there was a big article in the New York Times just a few weeks ago about you know the trillion trees. Is is it possible to plant a trillion trees? And you know, uh, would they survive? And all this other kind of stuff. And is there enough room? And I'm like, look, that's that's an academic exercise that I don't have time for. I don't know. Can we get to the trillion? I don't know. I know we can do hundreds of millions easily. Like in Tanzania alone, there's room for a billion trees really? with a B, just in Tanzania. And that's not really counting the program on the mangroves on the coast, which are probably some of the most important trees on the planet. Yeah. Um, so can collect, you know, you check all the boxes. Um, so yeah, maybe it's a trillion trees. Maybe things will look very, very different. I hope they do. But I know here and now it's what needs to be done. Um, and I'm very passionate about it because it works. I saw it. I was up on a hillside. I saw how things are transformed, um, not necessarily with regards to carbon, but also the water cycle, which yeah. people don't really talk about as much. But the tree's impact on the water cycle is probably more important to the planet than the carbon cycle. And a lot of it is just sort of grabbing what water is there and hanging onto it before it runs down, channeling it into aquifers. Um, because what happens in a lot of places when trees cut down, it doesn't take too long before the wells dry up. And when the wells dry up, then that whole community is now refugees. Yeah. So there's a cascade of problems that go associated with that. No water, no nothing. You've got to hang on to the water. So the, the tree is the tool for hanging on to the water to keep um, you know, a, a society or a community together. That's how I look at it as much as anything else. You're working with corporate sponsors. I'm sure you're looking for more. Are there uh, opportunities for individual supporters as well? Oh, absolutely, sure. So uh, as a 501c3 or as a nonprofit designated company here in the um, in the in the states, uh, individual donors we have, in, you know, we have hundreds of them, and we welcome any support. Uh, large dollar donors, uh, foundations. Um, we do events. Some are uh, in person here in D.C. during COVID. And when we couldn't do events, we actually kept our brand out there and we were engaging people because everybody was riding bicycles. I've hired a guy who uh, fixed bikes and we set up right next to a bike tra track. It's a you know, free bike tune-up. 
and so people could stop. We were outside. We had masks on. They were out riding their bike. We had a tip jar. We gave them our information. So we kept our brand out there right next to, you know, go where the people are. That's what you got to do. We had in-person events. I mean, we've even had a uh, an 80s dance video party in person here in D.C. with uh, maybe 200 attendees that raised enough money to plant 20,000 trees. But that was on February 29th, 2020, literally the last night before everything got shut down. Yeah. And people were like, say, hey, do that again. I said, well, you have to hold that thought. We did in-person film screening. So I, I tried to get creative along those. Um, and we tried to do another one earlier this year, but you know, COVID kept rearing its head. Um, so now actually we're doing an on-demand film uh, that anybody can see. Uh, I curated, I researched and found a wonderful little uh, nonprofit, uh, sorry, a uh, uh, documentary film called From Seed to Seed, uh, which is a great film uh, made by a German-Canadian woman uh, in, uh, in 2017 about various farmers in Canada who are all committed to, you know, organic practices and sustainable practices. And um, it, it's, it's a nice movie because it follows all of them during the whole course of a season. And no one's ever really heard of it. And it's too bad because it's well done. And I'm picky when it comes to these things. And uh, I tried to do the, in, like I said, the in-person screening. And that was only moderately successful. And there's only so many people who can fit into a little room here in one city. So the distributor has the uh, capability of doing it on demand, where you have a 60-hour window in which to watch a 87-minute uh, film. So anybody on the planet can watch it. So um, there's information on our website about it, uh, forestplanet.org. Um, but we're asking $10, and with that 10 bucks, we guarantee we'll plant at least 50 trees, if not more. Um, people can make additional donations if they wish, if they wish. But they also get also get to watch this cool movie, you know, from the comfort of their own home and with their comfortable chair and their own popcorn. So uh, we've got people already registered from uh, South Africa to Australia to the states to uh, to wherever. Hopefully some in your lovely island would join us too. Okay. Well, um, we'll have to put a link to that uh, on the website, on the podcast website, so that uh, you can get some more people in your audience. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hank, this has really been fascinating. Thank you very much for, for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report. Is there any thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Um, I just, I, I guess I really wanted to sort of, drive home the point of um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of bad stuff happening i mean just just today i think it was the world wildlife federation you know released a port of a report about a species decline around the world uh, the un has got a big conference on it um, there's bad news everywhere uh, it's, it's something that we should all take seriously very very seriously uh but i guess i wanted to also say listen but there is hope you know, there are solutions and people are doing good work and um, it's fast, it's affordable, it's easily communicated and uh, don't don't despair. That's uh, that's all I would like to leave everybody with. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Thank you very much indeed. That's Hank Dearden, Executive Director of Forest Planet. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. Find out more at forestplanet.org. That's it for this week. Next week, I'm talking to Leonardo Zangrando, who plans to sail around the world and encourage 100 million people to help him save the oceans. I hope you'll join me then. 
Thank you for listening, and thank you all for staying loyal for so long to the Sustainable Futures Report. Particular thanks, of course, to my patrons, who pay a small amount each month towards the costs of running this podcast, and so help me to keep it independent and ad-free. Please do get in touch with thoughts, ideas and questions. Next month, I'm getting back to looking at the topical sustainability scene. For the moment, though, that was the Sustainable Futures Report. I'm Anthony Day. Until next time. Thank you.